This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening to season two. Today's guest is Jessica Roke. Coach Roke is the head coach of the women's program at Waterloo University in Waterloo, Ontario. We talked to her today about being the first Canadian female to sit on an NBA bench for the Sacramento Kings in the 2019 NBA Summer League. We also talked to her about adversity, bringing perspective, how to create connection and chemistry, and to believe in your own abilities. Hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks for having me, Mike. I really do appreciate you coming on and uh, and kind of sharing your story, your journey, your perspective with us. And uh, so, so, Coach Roke, I really do appreciate your time uh, and appreciate your story, too, because, you know, going through some of the things that we go through nowadays as, as, as individuals in our society and in the world as a whole, it's very comforting to hear and understand who people really are and to hear their stories and, and to kind of escape for a little bit into them. So I uh, here again, thank you so much for being on now, uh, coach, how were you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of Mississauga, Ontario? Did I get that right? Correct. Yes. Good pronunciation. All righty. Um, I actually started playing at the, uh, like house league level, um, just in my community. My, my brother was playing, uh, with one of his friends from middle school and um where my my father is Filipino so I'm half Filipino, my mom is Scottish and that's really how I got started, was just playing with my family, my cousin, sister and it was really this like weekend kind of fun getaway where we play basketball and then get pizza and Filipino food after the game. So it for me it started off very humbly and and as a family event and you know, as I delve deeper into the sport, it got a little more serious and a little less Filipino, but um, yeah. very proud of my roots with, uh, with the Filipino community because everyone knows, and if you don't know, um, it's unofficially the, the country's national sport and there's a great affinity for the game there. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Uh, I've got friends that are Filipino, and, man, that's a. it seemed like that they love basketball, like, when they first, you know, when I first met them years ago, I was like, hey, we're going to teach you how to play basketball. And then they're hooping all over us. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. You know, like, we're supposed to teach you. And I think that's the, that's kind of the pulse of the world right now. Like even, you know, even as coaches, professional coaches, all of us as coaches, we're all going back and watching, you know, uh, other countries, other, you know, European basketball and trying to steal from them now. So just amazing, mm-hmm. amazing how the game brings people together and travels and has traveled, I should say. So that's fantastic. fantastic coach. Now, what was your experience as a player? Because, you know, I know you played collegiately, but what was your experience like, uh, you know, as a younger person through high school and then college? Um, I mean, Mississauga is like, it's a stone throw away from Toronto. So I think I, I grew up in a very, I'll say, great environment for getting into a sport and getting into a sport at an elite level, I had access to, you know, 
different coaches or camps. Um, played on the provincial team for a number of years. And um, so it was definitely an area that was like, I'll say easy for me to, to grow and develop my game. But um, I think I, because I came from the Filipino league, like I, I thought I was better than I was starting out. Yeah. And that kind of, um, you know, expedited my, my confidence in myself and in the game. And wow. um, I have a twin sister. I don't know if you know that about yeah, me, but yeah. she definitely helped um, accelerate my learning and, and having, you know, a training partner day in and day out, not just on the basketball court, but even when we, um, you know, have early morning workouts in high school. And um, I actually tore both my ACLs in high school. And so, oh. From a recruiting standpoint, um, things got a little, I'll say, scary for me because I was, you know, just starting to, like, come into my own, and then I had two injuries back-to-back. And, wow. Um, you know, coming out of it, I was really dependent on my, my sister to to hold it down on the team, and, and she did just that. And when we made the decision to play together, it kind of, she actually helped, I'll say, acquire the interest that, that we needed to get a scholarship, and we ended up going to Cleveland State together, which turned out to be a good thing as well. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was I, for me, it was, it was, it feels so long ago, and like it was a blur, but um, I definitely had a great foundation, and and that I had the right coaches around me, had the right familial support. Um, to help push me to, to get to the next level. Yeah, and you need that support when you go through something like an ACL injury, and then to and then uh, even more so with two. You know, to come back from that is sometimes insurmountable for individuals uh, to the degree that it messes with their psyche. In that they walk, they step on the floor, any floor, and they're thinking, "I got to be careful. I got to watch out. I can't make a hard cut. I got to be careful how I fall." You know, all those, oh, things, sure. those things go into your mind. How, how did, you know, kind of to go down that path as well, Coach, how did, uh, how did you get through that? Like, where were, where were those moments that you saw, you found out who you really were during those moments? Because I have a younger sister who went through the same thing in high school, and she had to do a lot of soul searching. She really found out who she was, and it galvanized her at the end of the day. So how, how did you come through that? Yeah, I mean, it will definitely um, test you mentally. And I think, like I said, having my, my sister around and really helped me uh, not go too far down that, like, downward spiral, if you yeah, will. Yeah, Um, Because I was still really engaged. I'd go to practices. And even if I wasn't able to, like, be on the court, I could actually just watch. And it was actually my club coach who helped me sort of put things into perspective. Uh, we were driving down south for like a tournament. He was like, well, what do you want to do with the sport? Like if, if you were, you know, if you were done playing today, what are you going to do with the sport? Like how are you going to, how are you going to utilize it to help further whatever your end goal is? And so that's when I kind of shifted my perspective from basketball being everything basketball being a part of just a tool that I use to help drive a greater purpose 
Yeah. Um, even if I didn't know what that greater purpose was at the time, um, I think it helped kind of relieve some of the pressure that I was putting on myself to return. Um, so that, that definitely helped. And then the, I'll try to tell you the short version of this story, but, um, my family is, is Catholic. Okay. And the day I tore my first ACL, I was supposed to go to church with my sister and I just, I told her I didn't want to. And, um, everyone, every basketball player knows this, but the, the place where the door, the ceiling drops in the doorway, uh-huh. is a basketball net in every household. Uh-huh. You like run into the house, lay up, dunk, yeah, like yeah, slap, yeah. In, slap in the doorway. And I forgot that we hung a crucifix on the one side of a doorway. So I like reverse way up and then I slapped the crucifix and it fell to the floor. Whoa. And it broke. Oh, oh no. And my, and my mom is really <laughs> upset because she's like, it's a family heirloom and you, you, you broke Jesus. And, <laughs> um, so anyways, I, that day I, I tear my first ACL and then fast forward like a year and a half, I tore my second one and it was, Wow. And had both the surgeries, but then my mom kept the crucifix because it was like she said a family heirloom. So she started to super glue it back together. Yeah. And she actually calls me. I forget where I was, but she calls me and she was like, "You got to get home. You got to get home and see this." And I was like, "What? What? What? What?" And so she had glued the crucifix back together. But there was only one place that um, Jesus broke. And it was straight across the knees. Whoa. And so it sounds silly, but to me it was almost like a, an omen. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I, I gained confidence in in this um, reconstructed um, crucifix that my mom pieced back together. And, and thankfully, knock on wood, I mean, I made it all the way through um, college with, with a healthy career. and. I just never looked back after that. Wow. Hey, you, man, that could, we could do another podcast just on that experience right there. But, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you talk, you talk about the symbolism really in that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who believe whatever they want to believe and I'm okay with it, you know, but as for me and my house, I got, I got my way of thinking. Right. And so mm-hmm. like you talk, you talk about, first of all, I kind of want to go back to what you talked about using basketball as a tool for a greater purpose and, you know, with the, the experience you had within the game and then how it relieved pressure off of you that you put on yourself. Like there's so many people out there listening and, and coaches, if you're dealing with players who have gone, kind of gone through the same thing, you know, realize how that pressure, you know, that they put on themselves uh, could be, I guess, redirected. And then at the same time, their lives can be reconstructed, like you said. And I think that's big because sometimes we don't know how to deal with players after an injury. Sometimes some coaches mm-hmm. just completely disregard players after an injury, which is completely terrible. But, uh, you know, to kind of get a, a, an idea of how to work in that space with players uh, just by hearing your uh, testimonial, if you will. And so, yeah, this is great stuff, Coach. I mean, like that story, it maybe seem seem a little funny because, yeah, most of us – who who uh, who grew up in a culture with, with Catholicism? Yeah, there's crucifixes hanging everywhere. I mean, geez, there's, you you just know there's nowhere to go. But yeah, when you're doing when you're doing what you're doing, and then something like that happens and it stops you right, right in your tracks, 
uh, and your life can be reconstructed as well. So uh, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. I really do appreciate you sharing that story because that, that I think, you know, for somebody listening, it can really hit home and, and give, yeah. them, give them hope. I don't think it needs to be like whether you're religious or spiritual or not spiritual. I think for me, it just came down to finding meaning in it. Yeah. yeah. Because I think a lot of times that's, you know, the first thing that comes to mind with injury is like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I, I didn't like that, you know, at the time it was like, I put all my eggs into that basket. I put all my eggs into basketball and that was, my only, you know, identity. And so when I didn't have it, I was lost again. And so, um, I'm really thankful actually for, for the injuries because it it helped put things into perspective for me, even just as a, you know, a young adult or a young teenager, if you will. Um, so, you know, you kind of, I learned that early and then it made it just easier to, to, through college and life after that. Yeah, cuz you can always say well, it's not an ACL tear, it's just this. Uh Exactly. You, you kind of have a point of reference or, or Or you can just say it's just an ACL tear. Like I'm <laughs> I'm still I'm still here, I'm still breathing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever, you know, lens you want to put on it. Yeah, perspective. Yeah. I like how you said that, putting things into perspective. And if to hear somebody say, "Well, oh, I'm thankful for that experience." That's, that's a lot of growth. It's a lot of maturity. Uh, and it takes, I don't know, it takes a lot to say those things uh, because most of us always live in some kind of, uh, if this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened, where would I be? And Playing the hindsight game because that's always twenty twenty. but uh, I don't know. I think we all need, we need to just focus on the now, be where our feet are at. So, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that perspective, Coach, because that is something I think here again, Coaches listening can really help players that they're they're leading and serving to go through that are actually going through that. So, coach, I would ask you, like, so after your playing days, was it one of these things where okay, I'm gonna just, you know, jump into the coaching game because somebody told me, hey, you should really try coaching. You're pretty heady about the game, or or what happened? Who influenced you to go into coaching? Well, funny story, Mike, is that I never actually wanted to. Um, but the injuries actually started the conversation like I remember my high school coach my club coach being like these injuries are great you can see the game from from the sidelines now and and start to you know develop a critical eye for it and I was like no way no way I just want to play and you know even going to university and seeing my assistant coaches and head coach and how they even just conducted their daily lives. I was like, no way. Like, I'm not, I want a nine to five. I don't want, uh, mm-hmm. you know, gone on the weekends. We'd, we'd have four days, like, road trips. And, and that wasn't even including, like, the recruiting that they do and being on the road. So I was just like, that's not for me. That's not the lifestyle I want. And then, plus, I had spent, you know, a good part of, like two years in, in a rehab clinic that, that kind of sparked my interest in in therapy yeah and so th- that's what i went to school for i did my a bachelor's of science and then a master's in in exercise science so that i could pursue a degree in in physio um 
So I came home after my playing years. I was a grad assistant while I was doing my master's at Cleveland State. And then I was actually in school in Canada for, um, you guys call it physical therapy. We call it physio, same thing. But I was in school and um, was not doing well. It was a very challenging program. And I actually flunked out of the program. And the, the same week that I flunked out of the program, my old coach called me and she, you know, had no idea that I had flunked. I thought I was even in, you know, the second grad program and that I even flunked. Wow. And she's like, I have a position open on my staff. Um, we're looking to hire. Are you interested? And I just said, funny you should ask because I'm very, very, very interested at the moment. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like a very opportunistic way to get into coaching, but yeah. um, after that first year, um, I had to do a little soul searching because my, you know, my visa was expiring and I was like, do I, do I really want to do this? Am I going to try to find a way to stay, you know, stay in America, stay coaching? Um, and so I, at the time did a lot of reflecting and journaling and reached out to some old coaches and, and then I ended up getting a job back here in Canada and it, and then it really just, I don't know when it took off, but I, I'll say like the past four years now being back in Canada helped cultivate my my passion and my, my love for coaching. Um, and I'll never forget the very first staff meeting I had at Cleveland State. My coach said, um, what we're doing is very important because these 12 or 13, 15, however many athletes, they will remember you. Yeah. Um, Because everybody remembers, you know, their college experience, maybe not so much, you know, elementary school and maybe even high school, but everyone remembers the four years that they play university ball and they'll remember their coaches. And that that kind of stuck with me and and was like, now I look back on that and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like, that's that's what keeps me going and, and why I love the profession now. I, I don't know exactly what I would be doing if I, if I wasn't coaching, but I'm so happy that, um, that things happened the way that they did because I, I enjoy my non nine to five. <laughs> yeah. Year round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, in the reality coaches, it's when you do something you love to do, it's not work. It's not uh, painstaking. There is a lot of work involved. Mm-hmm. However, you're more just like, this is what I wanted to do. So I'm here doing what I want to do. I'm not having to do something that was dictated to me. Like you said about right. being an opportunist. Like maybe so, but the reality is things just lined up. Things lined mm-hmm. up and they worked out and all those things where everybody, you know, 90 some percent of, you know, humankind wishes that could happen. You know, be kind of like, I'm failing out of this. And then, hey, I got you. Don't worry. I got a a college coaching job for you. So I I will say, Mike, I sound sound very privileged, and I know I am. Um, But at the same time, I think um, I don't want to get it confused with, uh, because there there is a degree of luck, but I don't want to get it confused with actual preparation. So, you know, I talked about, 
I was a grad assistant for two years. My playing experience, I did, um, you know, my degrees in, in something that was sports related. So I think in a lot of ways, I didn't know that I was preparing to be a coach. Yeah. But, and that's why I say I'm thankful for my experience because I, it gave me an opportunity to explore other things first that now serve me in my current role, in my current job as a coach. And if I didn't, if I had always pursued coaching, I don't know that I would have that same, I'll say, range or depth of, of knowledge that I do now. Yeah. No, you. And I and I wouldn't have these cool stories to share either. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I'm not sure if anybody would have said, "Hey, could you be on a podcast?" Because you didn't exactly. have, you wouldn't have any cool stories, <laughs> but uh, you do. And so here you are. And and another cool story, and I think we can walk to now on this one is. Like, yeah, you were you were a GA at Cleveland State, an assistant at, at Cleveland State. Then you move on to Ryerson uh, to be an assistant. Then you go and you have a trip to the NBA Summer League. Uh, you know, what does it mean to you to have the distinction as the first Canadian woman to join the bench of an NBA team? Because that is something that is unfathomable unless you're, you know, kind of Becky Hammond to, to kind of be one of the first ones to do something like that. For sure. I think I've described it a number of times as just being a surreal experience. And I'm, again, I'm thankful for the opportunity that my mentor, Roy Rana, gave me. Um, I didn't, I actually didn't know I was the first. And um, I can't imagine that I'll be the last just with yeah. the way the league is trending now. And, you know, there's people like Tamara Tatum. Um, who's a national team player who's on the 905 uh, bench, and Wumi, um, who's also uh, you know, a former national team player. So there's, there's definitely up-and-coming women in coaching, and, and you know, it, it's unfortunate that there's only one Canadian NBA team, but I think um, my prediction is in the years to come, you'll see a lot more Canadians and, yeah. Back on to- NBA benches. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. I'm, I, uh, some years back, 16, 17, you know, 2016, 17, I, I coached a couple of Canadian players who had, who had come down to the States for an opportunity. And these, these, these young men were exciting. I mean, they're just, I was like, wow, these are, can, these, these kids learned this in Canada. Like, yeah, hey, they're just, there's a lot of talent. And then, you know, kind of the, the pipeline, you know, as a, as a high school coach, I always have people approaching me about international players and stuff like that. And then I come to learn more and more about Canada's, uh, you know, how, how they're being, how kids are being brought into the whole system and how there is a lot of grassroots basketball for kids. It's not to the degree that I thought it was where it was like, okay, you got, you got maybe 20 great players and they all come to the U S and play at prep schools. You know, there's a ton of kids out there and and i can't imagine the the i mean that was just a handful of kids that i knew of i can't imagine all the other ones that are out there and then the coaching i think coaching has always been there the coaching has always been there and and like you said at some point you will have uh uh, the benches on nba teams will look a lot different than what they look like even right now and uh you know here in san antonio we have becky hammond so when she first got here everybody was so excited as a player then she goes on, she gets on staff with the Spurs and it was even more like, wow, we, our organization, because here in San Antonio, it's, it's a Spurs are a religion. 
And it's like, man, uh, we, we, we got something you don't, you know, basically. And, uh, you know, so I think that's, that's always the greatest thing when you can kind of break through some barriers and, uh, you know, not, not, not to, uh, say that nobody expected it, but I think it's just, it was, it was about time that we have more females in the game on the men's side, uh, only because it's just, it's warranted. Uh, you know, you, you said earlier, you sound privileged, but there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. There's a lot of, uh, of time that goes into it that most people, the unseen hours that people don't see. So I would ask you, coach, you know, given that experience, given your experience as an assistant uh, at, at your other institutions that you, that you coached at, how's that prepared you now to be the head coach at Waterloo moving forward? Uh, it's, it's prepared me. It's been everything. It's been the only experience I've had at doing this, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, my time at, at Radisson was, was great for my learning. It was great for my, you know, development as, as a professional. And I'll even say it on a, on a personal level in terms of just finding my own voice and yeah. um, my own set of values. Um, I had a great, you know, mentor and, and my head coach, Carly Clark, who's also an assistant for the senior women's national team. Um, you know, and then even just, you know, the diversity of our staff, I think was, was very strong um, in helping me learn just different facets of coaching, right? Like the soft skills of, of how to connect the players and the tactical, technical, you know, side of things when you just have different, you know, minds clashing together. Yeah. Um, really just gave me a, a, a very detailed look at not just how to develop a team, but also how to conduct a high-performance team on a day-to-day basis and what that looks like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there was just, you know, I got four years of that, um, you know, being on the sideline. And, I mean, big kudos to even the athletes that we, we had coming in because those are just some of, you know, the most high-level, I don't even want to say athletes, because it's more than that, it's like high-level people yeah. coach. Um, that really helped accelerate, you know, my learning as a coach, but even, like I said, my development as a person and, and how I'm trying to be my best for them every day. Yeah, no, you said something about finding your voice and kind of finding your way of doing things. And now that you're at the, the you know, the head of the the ship, so to speak, uh, you know, now you're lead, now you're the lead. And everybody's going to follow what you project and present every day and how you act out your daily life is what everybody's going to see. And so, yeah, to kind of have those uh, examples and that time, as you said, to learn, to absorb information, to learn, like you said, the tactical, the strategical things. And man, that's, uh, that's fantastic coach. Cause it sounds like you're almost like you're itching to get out the box and get out there and, and uh, mix it up already. So that's good. Now, Absolutely. yeah, I would ask you, coach, do you, you know, like your first time coaching, I mean, we all kind of have those moments, right? Like it's our first year, it's our first time as an assistant, first time as a head coach, maybe even in the NBA when you were doing the summer league with the Kings. Do you recall a memorable moment where you realized like this coaching thing is real? Um, you mean like I've arrived? 
Well, no, no. Either, however you want to put it in, you know, okay. how you want to put that in there. But just to that moment where you felt like I'm not a player no more. Like, oh man, I'm a coach. Like, this is it. This is real. I don't know that I'm even there yet. Wow. wow. <laughs> no, I know. Awesome. No, I, I know. Um, in terms of like the transition, I think that was an easy transition for me just because I had spent so many, like, my players know now, like, I can't move the way I used to. So, like, yeah. that, that, I guess, like, love for playing has quickly gone out the window. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> In terms of when it became real, I guess, I don't know that there's a specific moment. I think there's many moments um, where I I catch myself, whether it's like in practice or or not in practice, um, and I'm just enjoying what I'm doing in terms of enjoying. It's almost like vicariously enjoying myself through the athletes, whether it's like, something for them has clicked or it's a high moment in the game and everybody's jumping off the bench. Like, (laughs) um, I think in a lot of ways and why you see, I mean, this is my fifth year now, fifth year coaching now going into my sixth at this level. Um, but there's a reason why you see coaches who stay well into like their sixties, coaching for like you know x amount of 20 plus years and yeah um i think in a lot of ways that's always the moment we're trying to chase in moments like that and why i feel like it's still not real <laughs> and i'm yeah. still arriving and i don't know if i'll, I'll ever get to that point but that's my definition that I hope I never do. <laughs> no, that's fantastic, Coach. You're, you're saying some things that uh, I think a lot of us who've been coaching for a while, when we stop and we reflect, like you're saying, like there's certain, you know, people say, and I, I love the way that felt. I'm going to chase that feeling for the rest of my life. Like it's kind of what it is. You, you're talking about just simply being in practice. Like I can recall one time where one of my players had a monster block and just pinned it on the glass and, I, I, I kind of lived through that. I was like, you just said vicariously. I was like, Oh man, that, Oh man. I, I always wanted to do that you know, or whatever. And there was just some pride that, you know, exuded, I guess, and this sense of satisfaction and like no better place that I could be right now than in, in this gym right now. And I can't believe I have this opportunity to just, this is what I do. This is, this is my life. Like this is awesome. So yeah. Yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. But, yeah, at some point, hopefully, we'll, you know, down the line when, when you're big time and hopefully we can get you back on, uh, you'll have one of those memorable moments and we'll, 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 we'll answer that question. But for now, yeah, keep chasing that feeling, Coach. It's awesome. So uh, another question I would ha- ask you, Coach, is, you know, you're always working with young people and you're still relatively young yourself. So, but you can still kind of separate yourself now because you're the, you're a coach. You're specifically, you're the head coach. Uh, what excites you about working with young people? Mm. Uh, I would say what excites me the most is just having the ability to make an impression. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, you know, not that you can't make an impression on someone later in life, but, 
specifically with the athletes that I work with now, I know they're in this like transitional period of their life. Yeah. Where they're trying to decide, you know, what's next. Um, and any kind of positive impact I can, I can have on, I'll say all my athletes and, um, and my staff, um, is success to me. That's how I define my success. Yeah. Good. Um, but you know, even to the younger athletes that are, you know, either we're recruiting or that are up and coming that come to our camp, um, I think it, I think any, again, it comes back to impact. So any type of impact and the impact, I think at that level is a little different because the impact could just be like, wow, my son just did your camp and, and really loves basketball now. Um, so any type of positive impact that I can be a part of, that's like I said, that's success to me. And and that's what I hope for when, when I am coaching is that I'm living and breathing that. Wow. You know, there's, there's not a lot said about success in that kind of facet. Like there's a lot of success talked about winning percentages and championships and, and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But when you can measure your own success by the impact you're having, that's at that point, transformational type stuff. That's not transactional. That's not simply just working for a contract or, or for money or whatever, which there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, you got to live, you got to eat, you know, or, or, you know, so, but to kind of say, I'm going to determine what success is. Like, I know people are still going to write about what my success will be. I know people are still going to, you know, even if I win a bunch of games, they'll say I'm successful, but the reality is no, my success lies in the impact I'm having. That's great. That's really good stuff. And uh, I also, I agree with you too, Michael. Like I, I believe you can do both. You, you can have a great track record and you can impact people. I look at someone like Pat Summit. Yeah. I mean, if your players, you know, are calling you, they're 30, 40 years old, and they're still calling you, to me, that's a great sign that you've touched that person's life. And yeah. that won a number of, you know, NCAA championships. And, and if she was still alive today, she'd probably have double yeah. the number of athletes yeah. calling her and, and still, you know, trying to connect and, and maybe even ask for, you know, adult advice. But, um, I, I do believe that you can do both. And um, I think the ones that, that do it right, and even a guy like Pop, to use the San Antonio reference, um, I think the ones that do do it right do it that way. And so that's, that's kind of why I've um, defined my success that way because those are the type of people I look up to in society. Yeah, and that also helps you to kind of you, know, you talked earlier about kind of losing your identity when you went through what you went through. And I think as a professional, as a coach, sometimes we lose our identity in, in what we're accomplishing and what we're not accomplishing or whatever. Right. So like you define success in those terms and you can be successful in winning and you can be successful in your players' lives, but have an impact in their lives as well. And that's, that's a pretty good identity be, for that to be part of your identity. You know, it may not be 
who you are, but it's what you do and it's part of who you are. So kind of all together, like I think that's what the coaches listening out there can kind of grasp onto and kind of aspire as well. Cause that's important. I think for us to kind of, uh, you know, not get caught up in things that don't really matter at the end of the day. Like you strip it all down. Like this COVID thing is done, strip everything mm-hmm. down and, and let's see how you feel about yourself and how you feel about the game and your players. Uh, because if you don't have your players, you're not coaching. Uh, so really learn, <laughs> wake up to the fact exactly. that what really, really <laughs> matters, man. And so I think that's, that's kind of what, you know, what you're talking about as well. So I, it's fantastic coach. I really like the whole idea of defining your success. Cause I think that's just, you take it out of somebody else's hands. That's the best part. It's like, no, you don't determine how I feel about me and how successful I am. And I think that's great to, to, you know, to, to have that mindset now. Uh, I'd ask you, Coach, because we're you know, here again talking about success, given the success you've had, and, and here again being a part of what you were a part of. Because most people say, well, well, you know, she's she was in the NBA, you know, the summer league. Here she is now a head coach, man, and she's really got it all. Like, how has your career enriched your life, though? Because that's something that I think we give the game a lot. But what has the game given you, and how has it enriched your life? Um, it's given me awesome people, I would say. Um, I alluded to it earlier, but I'm obviously a big family person. Um, and if you know anything about Filipino culture, it means you have a big, big family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so basketball to me has been a way, um, and I'll say in even just more recent years, just it's allowed me to become a better family person. Yeah. Um, just because like you're you're sort of forced into this situation where you have to create connections and have to create chemistry with people that aren't from your family. Um and I think that is a skill that people learn when they're part of teams and, and families are like teams too. I mean, you, we use that all the time in sports reference, right? Like with yeah. teams. Our family, like family on three, one, two, three family, but we're not chanting and cheering, you know, with grandma and grandpa and yeah. aunties and cousins. Yeah. Um, so uh, I would say that's how the sport has enriched my, my personal life. Um, it's also given me a great sense of purpose, you know, in, in having a job that I can, you know, come to and feel like I'm, you know, and being of value and, and useful to others. Um, and it's also allowed me to travel. I think uh, many coaches know this and, you know, they'll be like, oh yeah, I've been to Alaska. I've been to here and there. And it was always for basketball, but um, there's very few jobs, I'll say, that afford you that opportunity and any opportunity I have to travel through yeah. whether it's through work or not, I think is, is a great experience just because you get a chance to learn about a different part of the world. Yeah. Well, you get to experience different people. Like you're talking about like this game's giving you relationships and, and I always maintain and I always say pretty much on every podcast if I have to, but coaches and athletic directors and, Anybody's who who's in athletics is you're part of the you're in the people business, uh, because, and so like you're talking about 
being able to travel, meet new people, see new culture, cultures, so that there's an understanding and there's not this kind of like, oh, it's just, you know, us four and no more in these four walls we live in. That's all that really exists in this world. You talk about family. All those things matter, that sense of purpose, that sense of adding value. Like, that is truly having your life take, a, a, here again, a purpose and a meaning that goes much deeper than the game. Uh, and I think that that's true for every human being, whether you're in athletics or not, like you, you need to get out there and realize that there's more than one type of person in this world. And we should all look to understand each other better. But if you're not exposed to it, it's kind of difficult. And it's not always everybody, yeah. you know, it's not always on everybody. Like you said, there's some jobs that don't, don't do that. And it's pretty, and it's pretty awesome that you can be in that position. So that's great coach. Like I, I completely feel what you're saying now. And I, I know like this question is kind of like, well, kind of not, and it's not negative, but it's in a sense that I want our listeners to hear, like, is there anything that you change about your career? And if so, why? Um, I don't, I, I actually just sent this video to one of my former players recently. It's uh, an interview that Kobe did his last year as he was doing his farewell tour. Uh And they asked him, like, you know, would you, when you take off that jersey for the last time, um, how will you feel? And is there anything you would change? And he says, and I, I, I'm going to like butcher the the paraphrase here, but, um, it was, it was so eloquent the way he described it, but he, he says, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing because there's something about moments when they're finite, they, they have more meaning. There's there's more, I think he calls it flavor. There's more flavor to them. Yeah. And I was like, yes, like I'm listening to this. And it's like, you just articulated exactly how I feel about, about lived experiences. And, you know, people talk about regrets and like, you regret not being injured. And, you know, what if you were never injured? What if you chose this school versus that school? And I feel no type of way about changing the past um, because I know it shaped me to be who I am today. Yeah. And so taking away from any of those moments is you're going to come up with a different Jeff today. And I, I quite like who I am right now. So I wouldn't change yeah. a thing. Awesome. Yeah. No, there's something to be said for liking who you've become and, and, sure. and kind of enjoying the process of who you're going to become is really important because there's some people that can't see a future for themselves uh, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And when you have that clarity and that uh, that consistent reminder that, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, you know, sometimes we have to tell ourselves that, right? Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to be all right. And, uh, you know, looking back and saying, you know, how did I gone through that? Where would I be? Like you said earlier, you, you're thankful for that experience of, of the injuries. And that's so, it's so rare for anybody to say that. But somebody who is really kind of focused on growth development and not of just themselves, but of others can really articulate that like you just did. So I, I appreciate you saying that coach. Cause yeah, there's uh, we don't want to live with regret uh, because it really spoils the future. And I think that's, Absolutely. that'd be the worst. So, <laughs> so coach, I'd ask you this and kind of where we are, you know, society is where it's at. Right. But in, in some people still forget there's a, 
there's another kind of uh, movement out there that needs to be here still kind of looked at and, and observed, and that is women in sports and equality and all that. Do you feel women get enough respect or the respect that they deserve in the profession? I will say it's trending in the right direction, but there's still there's still a ways to go. I mean, you, even if you look across, I'll be specific to Canadian sports right now, but across our league here in Ontario, um, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's still like 50-50 men coaching women, women coaching women. Like yeah. There's zero women on the men's side. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'll say, even changed in this off-season. We, uh, there was myself who uh, just took, took over a program and then two other females that were just really introduced and took on new head coaching jobs this year, which is, like I said, a great step in the right direction for, for our conference. But I know, I think across the board, across sports in general, there's ways to go. But um, I would say there's a, like a, a couple of things that go into that is like, one, we, we need to mentor our, our young females. Yeah. Um, so it's not just being like, you know, being in a position where you're visible, like we've established that to some degree now, but now can we mentor the next generation that's coming in? And then, and then can we empower them? Because yeah. a lot of times these positions become available and unless, you know, you're putting your name in the hat, you're not going to get the job. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're qualified or not or capable or not, if you're not, yourself out there to you know to hold a position where you can have more support yeah yeah no that's very it's really important what you're saying you know the mentorship aspect but the component of empowerment that is to me uh one of the most i don't know it's something that's missing in society everybody loves to, to be mentored everybody wants to be mentored but a lot of times they're not empowered and that's always, mm -hmm. that's always the key for me when I think about how to provide opportunities, how to pave a way, uh, how do I build, you know, how do I make my ceiling somebody else's, you know, walkway in a sense? And mm -hmm. how, how do I get there with them? And so that's, that's really huge coach. And I appreciate you saying that because uh, I, I kind of want to. That's a great visual. Yeah. How do I make my feeling someone else's walkway? That's yeah. a great visual. Yeah. It's like you, that's very humbling. You having someone stand on your own shoulders to. Yeah. I mean, cause, yeah, because you always want to think, you know, in, in the Hispanic culture, right, is always about let's get better every generation. Like our parents mm -hmm. work hard, they bust their tail so that we could have a better life. Like that. And then, right. we, and then in turn, we'll do the same for our children. And, and our children's children, you know, kind of always like that. And so that mentality can just spread through everything. And, and especially like you're talking about helping young women. I have four daughters. So that, you know, whatever, okay. what, yeah, whatever, <laughs> opportunity, whatever opportunities they need, I hope somebody is literally, you know, saying, Hey, I'll help you. You know, uh, here, here's, I, I could only go like, what did Michael Jordan say? The ceiling is the roof or whatever. Right. But mm -hmm. the reality is like, I built the ceiling. Now it's your walkway to, to success, to your dreams and to a better life. And I think that's like, you're saying that's a great thing, coach. I appreciate you 
you know, put, you know, putting that out there. Now, I want you to take a moment, Coach, to encourage our female listeners who have the desire to pursue a career in coaching and leadership in athletics because I think all that some people need is just encouragement from somebody who's already in the, the profession. And so if you could, Coach, just take whatever time you need to just, you know, coach up the coaches, the female listeners, to, to really feel like they can do it as well. Yeah, I mean, it sounds cliche, but, like, belief in your own abilities can go a really long way. And I think that's something that's frequently lacking in, in terms of, you know, women in sports. And it doesn't matter what the opportunity looks like, is if you feel like it's, you know, something you want, then you should go for it. Um, I coach, I coach, um, I train some high school boys right now. And so if you asked me when I first starting out that I would be doing that, um, I would have, I would have probably just limited myself to only coaching females. And so if there's something you want to do, just have the belief in yourself to, to go out and do it. And you don't know until you ask, don't wait to be asked. Um, so if if you see it, ask about it, and then follow it. Wow. I like that. Don't wait to be asked. Like, so many people are apprehensive uh, to, to even pursue their dreams because they've always felt like, well, it's, it's kind of a unicorn, the end of a rainbow or whatever. And yeah. like, so, like, that's really, that's really awesome. Yeah, I, I thought I, even myself now, I catch myself. I'll have to catch myself because I think a lot of times I'll speak gender specific, but females will put restrictions or barriers un- unknowingly most times um, to, as to why they can't pursue a certain position. Yeah, um, they'll be like, "Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not qualified enough, or I don't have this experience, or I don't, um, I don't think." You know, I don't, I don't think I'm ready. Well, why don't you think you're ready? And why don't you think you're qualified? Because guarantee there's another guy out there with next to no or similar experience that says, hey, this is a shot in the dark, but I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an easy pitfall to, to you, know, you know, fall into. And, and we just got to be aware that, that that's what we're doing for ourselves sometimes. Um, you know, so as much as I'm trying to coach, coach people up, I, I need them to coach themselves up too. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. No, I here again, I appreciate you saying what you're saying because I, I just, to me, in my heart of hearts, because I've been there and I'm sure you have too. It just took somebody to encourage us. Uh, cause who knows what people's kind of friendship groups are at their sphere of influence is. And if nobody's encouraging you to do it and saying the things that you're saying, uh, my hope is that, you know, somebody comes along at some point and says, you know what, you can do it. Believe in yourself, uh, work hard, ask the questions that you want to ask. Don't wait to be asked. I mean, stuff like you're saying, like that, that's great advice. And, uh, and I think that's kind of what, what the goal is with that. And and so I appreciate you coach for, for saying all that now. I would ask you because here again, your playing days, your coaching career, where you're at now and where you're headed, because you still have a long way to go. What have you learned about yourself throughout your career? 
Um, I've learned that I can be selfish and selfless all in the same wow. in the same sentiment. And wow. I, I say that because when I was a player, um, I felt like I was serving others yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, even from you know where I decided to play, so like I was serving my parents, I was serving my coach, I was serving my teammates, and I never thought to serve myself. Yeah. And um, you know, I think everyone has highs and lows in, in in sport. And I hit a point, I think, late. I want to say in like my senior year, where I was like, man, this is just not. This is not fun. I'm not. I'm not feeling this. Like, and I, I realized because I, I wasn't doing anything for me. And now, like, you know, having three and a half months of, of COVID quarantine, um, it forced me to be become more introspective and realize the importance of self care. Yeah. Um, and it's. I think. I don't think I know it will serve me well in taking this new position as a head coach at um, the University of Waterloo. And if I can be the best at caring for myself, and not, some people might view it as selfish, um, I'm calling it selfish, um, then I can be a better me so that I can serve others and I can be selfish. Because like you said, Mike, we work with we're people, people yeah. as coaches. And um, we work in the service industry, and yeah. so um, that I would say that's probably been my biggest learning. And I try to take that even away to my personal life. You know, if yeah. I if I'm not, you know, taking care of myself, my health, then how can I possibly, you know, care for a young one, or how can I care for, you know. Um, you know, like my father or my mom, if they're sick. Um, yeah. That's right. That's, so that's probably the, yeah, no, the, you're saying something there that, that I came to the realization about at the tender age of, I think 38 or whatever I was at the time. And I'm 40 now. So I've had two years working with it. Right. So my mindset became like, I have to reprioritize some things like, I, I, I started feeling a little weird and bad. And then I went to the doctor and he's like, Hey, you need to change some things. And so I had an experience that where it was like, kind of forced me to say, you know what? I, I have this kind of, you know, list of priorities. Right. So I'd be like, okay, God, family work. And then it was like, hold on. What, what do I need to put ahead? Maybe even a family that, so I said, I need to take care of myself. I need to exercise, eat right, you know, all those things that we say we want to do, uh, but I actually got to do it. Right. And so like mm -hmm. the self care that you talked about. So I reprioritized and some people would say, why did you put that in front of family? Because if I don't have my health, if I don't have my mental health, physical health, spiritual health, all that well-being and not taking care of myself, then what good am I to the, my family? What good am I right. to, to, for my job? What good am I for those that I've, that I've chosen to serve and impact and, and, and work with. So like, yeah, I think that's huge. It's huge. I mean, it's, it was like, you know, you got to be a little selfish in that regard and not selfish to the point where you're uh, disregarding people's well-being, but you're regarding your well-being above, you know, not uh, neglecting yourself. Like 
that's just so important. And so I think a lot of coaches have an issue with that at times because we're so, yeah. we're so caught up with others, with others. We've dedicated our lives to others and helping others and we don't help ourselves enough. And we probably don't Absolutely. eat. We probably like you talked about earlier about road trips and and people going out recruiting. They're probably not eating the best and, and taking care of sleeping enough. And so those are the times where you got to stop ourselves and say, "Hey, we get some things in order." Because if not, this I can't keep this up for years. I really can't. So I appreciate you saying that, Coach, because that is something that uh, I had to learn. And, and and thank God you're learning it and you've understand you understand that now. So, Coach, I, my last question is always about legacy, and I know here again, yeah, you know, you still got a long ways to go in, in this game and coaching and whatever else is ahead of you within the game, but uh, kind of beginning with the end in mind and seeing it like, hey, this is what I'd like to happen, you know, by the end of my career. And I know, as you said, kind of how you're judging your success and how you look to impact people. What would you want to be said of you, Coach, when your career is all said and done? Oh, that's a, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, like you said, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but, and these have sort of been topics of discussion for me of late, which is interesting because I'm just at the start of my head coaching career. Yeah. Um, but, I think I was actually talking to my former head coach, Carly, uh, about this, that we were talking about impact on our athletes and how we were saying we, we may not even know the type of impact we're having on them until years down the line. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't realize the change that's happening now because they're in it. Yeah. So we won't know until years down the line. But I, I think in terms of the legacy I hope to leave behind is um, – is one of, I talked about impact, but what that impact to me looks like mm -hmm. is enabling, and I'll speak specifically to women because I coach women right now, but enabling young people to be better versions of themselves. Wow. Because um, I, I see when an athlete comes in and they, they do their four years and if who they are when they come in is the same person they are when they've left, and then I have not done my job. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I'll say in my experience, uh, or my short experience, um, the women that I have coached have come out remarkably different people and for the better. And those are the moments that I'm most proud of, and I hope that that's my legacy is that, you know, when when my athletes are married with children or just off, you know, living their lives, they're just like, hey, remember Jess? Like, Jess is so great. She helped me do this. And, and I hope that is a lasting impression that, that I, I leave. I'll even extend that, you know, to to just the people I work with, not necessarily just, just the athletes I coach. But um, we're still very young in the process, so we'll see get back to me in a couple of years and we'll, yeah. we'll see <laughs> yeah. what my legacy looks like then. Yeah. Coach, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Uh, your, your perspective and your journey, all that. I really do appreciate you coming on and, and making the time to be on with us. Thanks so much for having me, Mike.